Let's go. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them. You're listening to a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. This is Queer Sounds. Uh, last episode, we had someone on who was particularly fond of Estonian music. Um, so I figured, you know what? Let's actually get someone from Estonia on the line. Hi there, Eva Marta. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a bit tired, but, but feeling excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad to talk to you again. Just for the record, what are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, her. All right, cool. So there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about. You've got your your music. Um, but for now, the most interesting thing, I feel like, is uh, you being a history teacher. Because, you know, um, as some of y'all may know, I used to do Teachers Academy before I went into media and journalism and stuff. And here I am. But there is always a part of me that's kind of like, okay, the the teacher thing, it doesn't, doesn't quite let me go yet. So... Yeah. If we're going to talk about you being a teacher, uh, you teach English and history. Why specifically those two subjects? Um, English, because uh, I wanted to get like a full-time job and they only had like part-time history teachers. So I said, okay, I can teach English as well. Uh, <laughs> that's not really like my passion. Uh, but history, uh, because... Uh, I really love history. I loved history in school. I had a really great history teacher. Uh, and I think history is like one of the most important subjects in school. Although kids never think that. They always think that history is so boring and random. Why are we studying it? But I think history kind of gives us context of the world that we live in. Like you can totally live your life without knowing anything about history, but your life is so much richer and more like informed when you do know like why our society works the way that it does now. Those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, am I right? Yeah, exactly. I think we're doomed to repeat it anyway, but <laughs> then we can just at least say later like, Ah, okay. <laughs> I guess that's just because there are people not learning from it. Like there might be a handful of people who will like who, with warning signs, please, we've done this before. Let's get yeah. the crap. But then people are like, ah, I don't care for history. Let's just make the same mistakes anyway, which yeah. um, includes um, mistakes like, I don't know, homophobia, I guess, is, is one of them, queerphobia in general. Um, yeah. So there is probably like an era in time which is underappreciated because maybe it's less queerphobic as we might think because time isn't a straight line and it's not always one curve upwards. Mm. What, what time would that be according to you? Mm, I don't know if there's a time that was less queerphobic. I think it's more like we have this like kind of warped image of some... Uh, some sometimes like for example people always bring out like uh, ancient uh, Rome and ancient Greece because oh, I was so like gay friendly but it wasn't actually like you couldn't be gay in ancient uh, Rome uh, you could have sex with men and like young boys if you were a man in power yeah I'm not really answering your question right now but but I think that's what we do with history like we we see it through the lens of our our time now, and it's hard to like actually see it the way it was. I guess it's maybe impossible because we weren't there for ancient Rome. But yeah, I think that's kind of like a misunderstood time in a way. And also, like 
I would say the seventies because everybody kind of not everybody but people think of the seventies as being like super like liberal and like uh, flower children had sex all the time blah blah but it wasn't actually it was horrible like if if you were killed and the police like found out that you were uh you were part of the LGBT uh community they wouldn't investigate your murder because they said ah you live a like high risk uh, lifestyle and it's just the way the cookie crumbles so yeah i think those kind of two periods are like some of my favorite periods in history but very misunderstood in a way um if there would have been one era in history you would like to travel to which one would it be like recent history definitely 70s uh, i love not everything that happened then but like just the general vibe of uh, like resistance and uh, everything being like one big revolution uh, and also ancient uh, greece because i think i don't know i just imagine that everyone was hot back then uh, and also they just drank wine and ate I don't know, fakes. <laughs> and that sounds like like a good time. And went to the theater. I would like to go to the theater in, in ancient Greece. <laughs> All right. For now, let's go back to 1963, a true pop culture classic. This is A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles. It's been a hard day's night And I've been working like a dog It's been a hard day's night I should be sleeping like a love I think my favorite part of this song, probably the cowbell. Yes. Oh my God. I have a playlist on Spotify called More Cowbell. And there are just like songs on there that have good cowbell in it. I love cowbell. Gotta have more cowbell. Yeah, um, exactly. I, uh, I I went to an event once, which was pretty um, close to your playlist, actually, I guess. It's just one entire evening and nothing but songs that included cowbell. <laughs> That sounds like a dream. They they had they, they were they were promoting the event. It just had you know it was called more cowbell, obviously. Mm. The and and the tagline of the event was just dance to the clonk. <laughs> sounds great. It was it we we had a blast. Um, either way, a hard day's night by the Beatles. Um, nineteen sixty three. Did it just say sixty three, sixty four? Either way. Um, an early Beatles track. So, um, why did you why did you select this track for today? Uh, I selected this one because I think 
maybe it's not exactly my earliest memory of music, but something that I always like consider like the beginning of my love for music, uh, because uh, I I'm not sure how old I was, but like under ten, uh, and we had this huge like record player in in our living room that used to play like CDs and cassettes, and one day I just discovered like oh it can play vinyls as well uh, so I called my mom what what the hell is this do we have any vinyls that we can like try playing uh, and uh, we dug out uh, some vinyls from the attic and one of them was uh, a hard day's night uh, and I just remembered like going crazy in the living room dancing to it because I thought it was just like such a banger and that's like the song that I always like associate with with that uh, and then I uh, I connected to my uh, grandpa with the Beatles because he really loved the Beatles. So he gave me one, uh, I think, Let It Be record as well. Uh, so it's like very like uh, dear to me. So what was your grandpa's reaction? It's like you walking up being a tiny, tiny little, <laughs> tiny little Ava. It's like, hey, granddad, I found out I discovered this cool new band. It's called the Beatles. Have you heard of them? And he, he's like, oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> I don't know if his uh, reaction was exactly that, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he was uh, he was quite uh, quite happy. Whenever I go to like his house and and he like drinks a little bit, he always starts talking like about the Beatles to me and like mm. music and stuff. It's it's quite sweet. <laughs> oh, that's so wholesome! It's yeah. like having having a common hobby. Yeah, exactly. So do you do you still listen to the Beatles a lot, or is this just this? Um, this 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 one introduction to to music in general yeah i had this like weird relationship with the beatles like once every year i get like obsessed with the beatles and i only listen to them for like a month and then i get so sick of it that i don't listen to it again for a year and then i'm like oh i should listen to the beatles again and then i get really into it again uh, and a couple of months ago i think i i just i listened to the beatles for the whole month, I was like uh, watching documentaries about them, and uh, I was listening to the, some like podcast about them. And I think now I haven't listened to them again for a couple of months because I just like overdid it <laughs> that one time. All right, it's it, it's kind of like a show, you know. You, you yeah, you binge it in a month, and then a year later, you feel like, hey, maybe I should rewatch it. Yeah, exactly. But but they still are one of my favorite bands, and I think like. In general, they're probably the best band that ever existed. I mean, that's a very popular opinion. I don't think I'm alone in that. But uh, but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly ag agree with that. It it, it kind of uh, connects to this entire um, narrative around pop music, right? Because the Beatles became cool at some point during history even though at the mm -hmm. time they were like the the biggest boy band the the like this 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 girly hype and if you like the beatles you uh you 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 weren't cool because that's such a that's such a girly pop group instead of real yeah music. exactly and now you're like kind of like a cool music nerd if you're really into into the beatles and it's like the culture around it is so different than it was back then and if we like uh, look at some boy bands now like like bts i think they are exactly the same way that the beatles maybe were back then that everybody kind of loves to hate on them and uh, and like 
consider it like not good music, even though it's like super well produced or very talented. And it is hella good, <laughs> but for some reason, everybody like pretends that it's not <laughs> because it's something that like primarily teenage girls like. But uh, I guess, yeah, I think it's it's always been like that. Yeah, that's it, it's it's a common trope, right? Um, <laughs> music becomes good the moment uh, important men decides to, decide decide to like a band. Um, it's uh, it's one of my favorite books that talks about this. Fangirls by Hannah Ewens. Um, like it's it's all about just misogyny and not taking a band seriously because it's mainly teenage girls that listen to it even though it's a very good social parameter like yeah. do you want to know what's hot and popping in the, in the charts right now go ask what teenage girls listen to yeah exactly and there's actually so much power in it because teenage girls are so like passionate and they're like very good at like gathering their i don't know masses and energy and doing something if they want to do it for example I know because I'm a huge fan of BTS. Uh, I know like BTS fans have donated to so many good causes, and they've like fucked up a Trump rally and uh, done all this like cool shit that they don't usually get credit for because they are teenage girls. So, what did you listen to in your teens? Oh, uh, <laughs> I I had like um, I think a similar taste to to what I have now. Because it's very like, like wall to wall, uh, that I used to listen to a lot of like, uh, uh, like the Smiths and Joy Division, and I I love like Arctic Monkeys, Vampire Weekend, MGMT, that kind of like indie stuff. Uh, and then I was obsessed with One Direction at the same time, and like the Jonas Brothers and everything that was like girly and uh, and poppy. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of only talked to my friends about like the cool indie side and tried to hide like the one direction side from them because of those same reasons being feared not to uh, fearing not to be taken seriously yeah because i felt like embarrassed and i felt like oh, i i love this but i know it's not good music like i always kind of talked down to myself because of it and even now i got into like coldplay like a couple of weeks ago and i was just on this binge and i listened to coldplay like for a week and uh, and i told my friend like oh i'm so embarrassed that i've been listening to coldplay so much and she was like why are you embarrassed <laughs> like coldplay is good or like even if it's not you can just listen to coldplay you don't have to be embarrassed about it and then I had this like moment again, like what, like why am I still embarrassed about the music that I like, even though I'm like 25 and I don't really care. Like at least I don't think I care that much about what people think about me. But there's still this like intrinsic, I don't know, belief that this is something embarrassing and something that I should like hide. So is was there a time in uh, high school where you connected with a teacher because of music? Um, music was actually like a very, very big thing in my school uh, and in my class particularly. Like I'm still very, very close to my old classmates. Like they are all my, my best friends and we're all kind of like really into into music, uh, especially when when we were like in high school. Uh, I think there were like, I don't know, like four people in my class who didn't play an instrument and it was kind of like weird that they didn't play an instrument or that they weren't like into music. It, like it wasn't 
cool to not be into music. Um, and we had like this huge uh, band competition every year and we, we won it every year. <laughs> uh, and our teachers uh, have like a teacher's band uh, and they like every day during teacher's day, they play like a concert for all the students. And it's like the biggest event of the year in my school. And so, yeah, like music is always like a very, very big part of uh, my like school identity i guess and just like creativeness in general so i'm really intrigued by this teacher band now <laughs> like what type of songs were they playing because now i imagine just some kind of awkward glee type of will schuster rap no 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 it was great uh i mean my teachers were like great in general and had like a very good sense of humor our our headmaster was the singer um, and they played kind of like jokey songs and uh, played like covers, but they were like, they weren't, I mean, like that good, <laughs> but they were just like having a lot of fun. And, and I feel like we had fun with them and we really like connected to them with that, that they showed us like their, their hu humanity and their fun side, not only being like our, our teachers. Uh, so I think it's like actually really good for the relationship between like teachers and students to kind of share this this not not school school thing uh, um, amongst you. And it's like our school anthem is this like weird old punk song, but it's I don't know, it's That's just so so sweet. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, is it specifically composed or is it a cover of something? Or... Yeah, it's, it's a cover of an, an older, like, punk song uh, in, in Estonia because punk was really big uh, during the late 80s uh, with, like, uh, Perestroika and Glasnost and stuff. Okay, uh, I, I, I know that those are, like, things that Gorbachev was talking about at the time. Yeah. But it also yeah. sounds like band name. Yeah, there are things that, like, if you tell someone who's from an ex-Soviet country... They know what that means, but I sometimes forget that if you weren't from a Soviet country, they're just words. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's when when the Soviet leaders decided that okay, you can criticize the Soviet Union just like a little bit, like just do it a tiny bit if you want to do it, and everyone started like criticizing the Soviet Union because obviously everybody hated it. Uh, but it was just like a very cool cool time uh, to be here. I wasn't here for that, but. I heard people now are nostalgic for the Soviet Union again. Yeah, they are. Um, I think more like older people, like my grandma, for example, she always says that like, oh, it was so great. Everybody had the job because there were no like unemployed people because you were put to jail if you didn't want to go work. Uh, so yeah, it's this like warped image of, of a time that was great when you were this one specific tiny group of of people but horrible for everyone else so yeah um let's go back to you being a uh, being a teacher does uh, music um music obviously played a big role in your life as a high school kid does it play a role now as a high school teacher i i wish it played more of a role to be honest uh but i have used like songs a little bit i think songs are good because like students remember them better than you just talking as a teacher. Uh, so I've used some uh, music uh, in history because there are some quite cool like history songs on, on YouTube. I used one for when we talked about the Great Depression. Uh, and then 
Uh, there's this uh, cool song called Renaissance Man, uh, and it talks about all the men in Renaissance. <laughs> um, and yeah, like when I get to like the 20th century, I'm definitely gonna use music, uh, music a bit more uh, to like analyze and and stuff. Uh, but but yeah, I haven't that much yet. All right. Um, hopefully, it, you'll you'll get an opportunity for that soon. Um, yeah, me too. We've had the 60s, now let's move on to a track from the 70s, track number two, You Make Me Feel My Review. Disco classic, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real, Sylvester, um, released in 78. To be honest, I'm surprised it took me until this episode to get Sylvester on the show. I selected this one because, uh, again, this is like a very important song to me. Uh, not, I can't say that Sylvester is my favorite queer artist because I kind of only know this song, but just... This one song is like the perfect disco track uh, and I love disco and kind of what it represents in, in general, like just being happy and having fun and saying fuck you to everyone who wants to like hold you down uh, and just being like so proud of yourself. It's like an overused word, but yeah, being proud and like showing yourself to the world even though you know you're gonna get shit for it i don't know i just think that it's very like beautiful and it just gives me gives me some like energy when i when i need it or when i'm feeling a bit down i also just general enjoy the fact that we are allowed to like disco again we were talking earlier about whether or not some music is cool um mm -hmm. i mean to a point where dead as disco even used to be like a common phrase, but no yeah, one, it's undeniable uh, that disco is not dead anymore. Yeah, if if I can recommend another podcast on your podcast, uh, then uh, You're Wrong About is my favorite podcast ever, and they have a great episode on uh, like disco demolition uh, movement, uh, and it's it's very interesting. They discuss like disco and queerness and how how that relates uh and so i recommend everyone who's interested to listen to that i kind of i guess as well like the entire um 
the entire fact that Steve Dahl was being in it was 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 waging a war against disco. Like mm. my 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 guess would also be like I'm a white dude and I'm going to tell these black and queer people to stop liking this thing I don't like. Yeah, yeah, like at the time uh they said that oh it's not homophobic it's just that they think disco as a genre sucks but it was definitely 100% homophobic and racist all the rage like against the uh, disco at the time and then um uh, you know sylvester himself was obviously a being and being an icon um he uh even said like people put me on a pedestal and i loved it so yeah mm. of course it's like with someone like that you can't deny the inherent queerness of disco anymore um you said sylvester wasn't your favorite queer artist um this being your favorite queer song um mm -hmm. who uh who were who were the other contenders for today well, uh, my other like top contender, uh, the two that I thought of were uh, Sylvester and uh, Troy Sivan, uh, because with Troy Sivan, I just I like his music uh, a lot. I think he makes like really beautiful, beautiful songs. Uh, but also, I used to watch his like YouTube videos when I was I don't know like fourteen. I'm exactly the same age as him, I think. Uh, so I've kind of like grown up with him and seen his like whole journey from being a YouTuber to becoming a musician. Uh, and yeah, I, I really love, love him a lot too. Yeah. I never realized Troy Savon, uh, started out on YouTube. Like I, yeah. I've, I've heard his music, but never, never, never took the time to check the backstory. Um, yeah. Because you weren't a teenage girl back then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those things aren't inherently gendered, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But just like, it's like the same thing as with like uh, boy bands that like, I think every teenage girl, not every teenage girl, but teenage girls knew like Trace Van and like Tyler Oakley and all those uh, kind of like YouTubers and they were like super popular, but everybody else kind of ignored them because their audience was primarily like teenage girls. How about your own queer experience? Did like watching queer YouTubers play a part in that? So much. Like I think that's how I kind of connected to my queerness at the at the beginning, or how I found out more about it was through through YouTube and like different YouTubers. Uh, I'm like very lucky that I grew up in this time that I didn't only have like Estonian culture. I had access to like culture of the whole world so i i don't know i never grew up thinking that being an lgbt person is something like bad or wrong because i always grew up with these like people on the internet who said it was fine uh so yeah i think i'm very lucky in that sense and it really like shaped my experience a lot and made me i don't know it made it easier for me so you uh, eventually went on to write your entire thesis about queer people in Estonia. Can you give me a queer rundown on that? Um, I I wrote my bachelor thesis uh, about like LGBT topics in in the curriculum uh, in Estonia uh, and how that relates to like all these like promises that the government has essentially made to the people by signing like some international treaties and different kind of documents and what they like write there and and what actually like happens in in schools or or that uh, that lgbt 
people and topics are not talked about at at all uh, and and how those kind of conflict and that the government is letting down on the promises that they have made to their citizens yes yeah, so um allow me to read the title um clash mm-hmm. of discourses discourse surrounding democratic values equality and discrimination in official documents of estonia and the national curriculum in relation to queer students it's it's that that's a whole that's a whole lot of title um, yeah, <laughs> I believe I read somewhere um, where that that um, there might be a case of human rights violation, but that might be a bit of an overstatement, right? Yeah, a little bit. I guess it's uh, maybe not exactly a human rights violation, but more that our government has promised us something by like signing the the human human rights. Uh, what's it called? Human rights treaty. Declaration of human rights. Yeah, declaration of human rights. Yes. Exactly, uh, and they are not delivering uh, on those prom- on those promises to us. Um, I mean, it doesn't exactly say in the in the declaration of human rights that you should talk about LGBT topics in schools. So you kind of like have to read that into it. But uh, but I think it's there. So um, what what is the status of particularly queer students in in Estonian high schools mm, I mean I think it's it's changed a little bit from the time when I I wrote it um, but largely it's it's the same that the LGBT students feel like um, like they they're not really protected in schools because like teachers, usually don't talk about LGBT topics um, or they don't really know about LGBT people. So they can't like help their students or or support them in any way. Uh, and mostly when they do talk about it, it's, it is in a, in a negative negative light. Um, so yeah, it's it, I feel like LGBT students, the ones that I've talked to, just mostly feel alone in, in the school in the way that students like never should um so are what what are you as a teacher trying to do now to counteract the negativity um firstly i just try to be like a good human being myself and like kind of showing that example to kids but i feel like hopefully that's what every teacher tries to do in their own way but yeah, I think teaching empathy to students is like the most important thing that I try to do. And history is good for, for doing that, like trying to get get kids to empathize with people from, from a different uh, time and uh, with a different identity to them. So they could like carry this empathy into like other parts of, of their, their life. Um, and also just talking to queer students that are in the school and just making sure that they know that there's at least one teacher that they can always come to and, and talk to. And it's it's kind of like a tricky, tricky thing because you can't go up to kids and be like, hey, are you LGBT? You can talk to me <laughs> uh, because it can like single them out um but but yeah when when they do find me i try to like be be there for them and ask what do you think the school should do for you 
and and take their like needs to other teachers or like the headmaster or anyone who can like make those those things happen how do other teachers like how do your colleagues react to that like i can very well imagine that um other teachers who are maybe part of some old boys club at your school yeah. are like why are you telling these kids that it's okay because it's not i haven't really uh like luckily uh, encountered that that much uh, i think estonians in general are quite like non-confrontational so even if they think that they're they they don't say it uh but i think i've just also got lucky with a pretty good good school because like one of the reasons that I was hired there uh, at least what they told me is that they need someone that LGBT students can talk to uh, so it's it's I think uh, quite uh, a welcoming welcoming atmosphere but yeah like I think one of the things that you have to do is like make adults feel like like someone is not attacking them for for their beliefs because if you go to someone who who I don't know should be talking about LGBT topics but isn't and if you go to them like oh why are you like doing this wrong or why aren't you uh, like like insinuating that they're a bad teacher you don't get anywhere with that they're just gonna like counter you and not really listen to you so it's a lot of like diplomacy and like again like empathy for those people as well because you need to like understand where they come from and why they think a certain way to change that if you just like counter them with your own beliefs nothing's gonna change but if you try to like really understand okay where they grew up or or why why they think the way they think you can kind of like change that thinking and really like yeah, have have like more impact with that. I feel like that also comes with um, what you said earlier. The teaching empathy is obviously not a goal in and of itself. Like it's like to to teach kids don't be an asshole to your to 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 your queer classmates, right? And yeah. then of course empathy, like that is a means to an end in that sense that you kind of landed on after a negotiation and and the diplomatic language and things. Yeah, exactly. It's so hard to be like empathetic towards people that you feel like you don't have anything in common with or whose beliefs are like directly opposite to to yours. And I feel like being empathetic or understanding them doesn't mean that you agree with them. It just means that you try to understand why they think the way they do so you can like change that and and really like like talk to them right yeah, yeah. it's like I'll, i won't be an asshole to you if you won't be an asshole to me but that doesn't mean we're friends yeah exactly <laughs> all right let's get some music back in here i mean we're gonna talk a whole lot more about boy bands here we go best song ever one direction
I know several people personally who have seen One Direction live, and with, with, with hindsight, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could have said the same. Like, they all went to this same Midnight Memories tour back in 2013, 2014. And if you would have asked me in the time, like, would you, have, would you, would you like to come with? Without thinking about it, I would have said, no, thank you. But <laughs> if I would have gotten the chance now, hell yeah, I would go see One Direction live. Just at a, you know, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Maybe they'll have like a, a comeback tour and you can... <laughs> yeah, no, not, now, now you still could see them live, but instead you got to pay 80 euros to see each individual member. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I wish I didn't. I, I wish I had the money for that. But you actually did went and see One Direction play live. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I went to see them live on, on the same like Midnight Memories tour, I guess. Uh, and uh, it, it was uh, when I graduated middle school. Uh, and I was like a huge fan of uh, One Direction. And I loved them a lot. Uh, and I had like two friends who were like One Direction fans with me. Uh, and I asked my mom for my middle school graduation present can i please have tickets to see one direction in sweden uh and she was like yeah okay sure uh, in hindsight i don't know why the fuck my mom let me go to sweden to see one direction uh, and it wasn't like cheap either but anyway she did and uh it was the i don't know the most fun i think i've ever had uh, i don't remember like actually any of the songs really i just remember like the emotion when i first saw harry styles like just crying like a maniac <laughs> uh so yeah it was like a very emotional thing thing for me and a very very fun time it's just so wild that you actually have to go to, from estonia to sweden to go to a concert yeah that's that's the thing when you live in countries with like tiny amount of people and not uh, not that much money that you have to go to another country to see any any act perform so doesn't band like like a stadium sized band like one direction ever play Tallinn either no they've never been here i mean we do get like some big artists but there's like it's like one artist a year and it's usually like i don't know old people <laughs> music more than anything uh so i went to gun in Tallinn to see like robbie williams but uh, just because he happened to have a concert in Tallinn, so i was like oh, okay i'll go <laughs> i would never otherwise uh but yeah it's, it's difficult to get artists here i'm going to glasgow for a concert hopefully in november and then to Sweden again uh whenever harry styles reschedules his european tour so yeah, it's it's a good opportunity to travel as well. Yeah, I bet. I mean, usually when I go to a concert, it's like, okay, either do I feel like taking a half-hour train ride, or do I just pick the other date that isn't on a Saturday, but it's at least like a ten, but it's like a ten-minute bike ride from my home. I mean, I I think people who live in like normal countries don't know how good they have it. I mean, what does normal mean anyway, right? In, in in your situation, you have to travel to Sweden. I bet, you know, distance-wise, people in the U.S. might travel even more. But instead, you know, you, you travel for four hours and you're in Sweden. People will, you know, you're in Florida, you travel for four hours, you're still in Florida. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. And also, I think it makes you, like, remember the experience of a concert 
uh, a lot more or it makes you like really appreciate it if you have to like really take the time out of your schedule and go there and plan a trip around it you you will like never forget it yeah it makes it makes you feel like it makes it feel like a little vacation right yeah exactly i mean when when you're in middle school you don't really know what vacation means yet but <laughs> yeah that's true i guess uh you you just threw the world the word normal around like what does normal mean to you either as a country or as a person are you a normal um i mean i guess there's no such thing as normal blah 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 <laughs> right but... well you did when 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 i approached you you said i'm not entirely sure if i'm a right fit for your podcast because i might be too normy i mean i guess that normal for me is like synonymous with not interesting that's why i thought that uh, maybe i'm not the right fit because i thought like oh maybe my music uh, music taste is not interesting interesting enough um but in a way i think it's kind of more interesting to sometimes to talk to people who are like quote-unquote normal uh, and really find out like what's interesting about uh, them uh but but yeah i think it's it is something that i'm kind of like afraid of you know being like too normal like having a normal job and living in like a, a small normal town <laughs> i think i'm always like scared like oh i'm becoming like too normal i'm not like interesting enough anymore which is like stupid but i think something that i have to deal with quite a lot yeah, you're afraid you become too like civilized. Yeah, exactly. And like by the general standards, I am so far from normal. I'm uh, I'm like an LGBT person and a feminist, and I used to have like pink hair. That's not normal <laughs> where I come from, <laughs> but I'm still like <laughs> like scared of it. I mean, I do understand what you're saying, especially around my 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 queer activist friends. Like, mm. they're the ones who've got the pink and green and blue hair and and what have you. And you know, here I am with like my my look, and you know, it feels like I'm not I'm not I'm just not that eccentric. Like, come on, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm too normie for my queer friends, and too and too queer for my normie friends. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. That I don't know. Sometimes it feels like you don't fit in anywhere or like i feel like i don't fit in anywhere because i'm like too normal for like really really cool tallinn queer people that i have like a normal job and i i don't know i watch i don't know like sitcoms on tv i like friends <laughs> like all this kind of stuff that feels like it's not interesting enough but then when i talk to like people from my hometown it's hard for me to find stuff to talk about with with them because for them my interests are like too weird it's a like a weird situation to be in it's like on on one hand just like hi this is Xavier. he's an artiste and they've got like green hair and they live in like some squatters building in Tallinn. it's like hi i'm eva i'm a teacher nice to meet you yeah yeah exactly and then then uh, i'll talk to my teachers and i'm like yeah i don't know i listen to like uh podcasts about how our society works any interest in that <laughs> before we get the, the the last track of the day going on it's actually another band you've seen live right yeah it's a band i've seen live more than any other band i've seen live 
um yeah it's it's a band called the boondocks and uh, they they are like like some of my my best friends but i'm lucky enough that they actually make music that i i really really like a lot and i i love being next to someone who is on this this journey of being a musician because it's so interesting to like see from the outside how a musician's brain works and if i listen to their music i know exactly like what they're talking about because i know like who they are as people and where they are with their with their life like just yesterday um i was listening to the new album and talking to my friend about like some of the lyrics and we were choking like ah that's so like carl the guy who who writes the lyrics i don't know there's something so special about it that you can listen to uh listen to a song and know like exactly what it's talking about and why it is like that yeah i just kind of love that we're we're, mm. we're gonna play the boondogs whatever you said went over my head released 2021 um off of their like kind of 1980s inspired post-punk album i guess um if you want to support this show financially you can do so through patreon.com slash queer sounds where you can get access to our discord and you can get some queer sense stickers um if you want to follow the show uh, on social media you can find us on twitter and instagram at queer sounds pod um on tumblr as well by the way but yeah i uh, i want to thank eva marta for coming on the show and i want to thank you all for listening Join a pop 